This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Sybin, and it's time for your weekly wrap-up, and we have a bunch of topics to cover this week, including mixed reality VR capture, third-party apps versus Gmail, HTC's VR slow burn, the NES Zapper mod that's up on Kickstarter, a Comcast rate card hack where you can get all of the offerings in your service area, Chrome OS and Linux, and what I and some other folks think about it, and we're going to look at the new version of Android TV 8 Oreo and why some folks are not happy with it. So lots of stuff to talk about. Let's get to it. And I want to begin by thanking our newest supporters here on the channel, including Bill Reiner, who's a Gold Level supporter, Brad Wittenbaum, and Dan G. I want to thank them all for their generous contributions here to the channel, along with everybody who's been contributing on a regular basis, and all of you who watch on a regular basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. And we're probably just a month or two away now from 200,000 subscribers, so things continue to go great, and I want to thank everyone for your support. Now, we don't have an advertiser this week, but we do have a non-ad, an affiliate link for, guess what, Amazon Prime Day. Uh, So you may want to get your Prime membership going if you haven't already. I think you can get a free trial of it, which should cover you through Prime Day on July 16th. It starts at 3 p.m. and it goes for a day and a half with a lot of great deals. I picked up a TV a couple of years ago at a really good price, the one we use uh, over in our home theater nook here in the studio. So there are some great deals that will be happening all day long, but you need to be a Prime member to get at them. And there's also, if you're a Twitch person uh, or a gamer, there is a free game being given away every day on Twitch Prime during the month of July related to this Prime Day sale. So you may want to check on that too, because I think there will be some gaming deals along with the physical products you might buy from Amazon. So let's take a look now at the Week in Review. On the Extras channel, we unboxed the Lenovo Y530 gaming laptop. And I also put up some footage from my DJI Mavic Air that I reviewed about uh, six months ago or so. I really like that drone because it's so small and portable. And I had an opportunity to shoot some fireworks with it because I was invited to a private fireworks show on the beach. So it was uh, pretty uh, low risk here for the drone and anyone around. And you can see here just some of the unique views that you get from this. I do not recommend doing this at a public fireworks show just because you could... Uh, end up uh, hurting people or delaying the entire show, but this was a isolated thing, and it was really kind of a once in, not a once in a lifetime, but certainly once in a few year opportunity to get some really cool shots, so you can check out that video in the master playlist linked down below. And on the main channel, we had a bunch of stuff this week, a lot of Lenovo stuff, just because they've been sending in a lot of laptops for us to take a look at. So we looked at the uh, E480 and E580 budget ThinkPads. Some people question whether they are a budget price, but for ThinkPads, these came in uh, well under $1,000. In fact, I think they start at around 500 and change, uh, which is a pretty low price for a ThinkPad. So we looked at those. Uh, We looked at running Linux on Chromebooks with a new official way of doing so. Uh, Google has something called Christini that runs on their Chrome OS devices now, a select number of them. 
uh, that boots up Linux in a container, which is isolated from the rest of the system, but it is something that is going to be officially supported on Chrome OS. So now you can run Android apps, Linux apps, and of course your Chrome browser on Chrome OS. So these Chromebooks are getting a lot more interesting, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the Q&A section. And then I reviewed that Y530 this week, uh, partly because the unboxing video was getting so many views, it looked like there was a hunger for more information about this thing. So I was going to put that review off until next week, but given the traffic I saw on the Extras channel, I figured it was good to get it up uh, on Saturday afternoon so people looking for information can get it. And that's one of the great things about the Extras channel is that it does give me some insight as to where consumer interest might be at any particular point in time. So those unboxing videos are a good uh, signal to me as to what the viewership might be interested in. And clearly there was a tremendous amount of interest in that laptop. And now it is time for a couple of things that are on my mind. And this is week 71 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And over the weekend, in addition to flying my drone into fireworks, I was messing around with mixed reality capture from my virtual reality headset. I've got the HTC Vive, and I was messing around with Beat Saber here, and you can see I didn't get the, uh, the image cropped properly from my green screen. But what this is doing here uh, is rendering a scene for me in the headset, and then rendering this other scene that you see here, and then compositing me over it, uh, with a green screen and my computer is doing all of this which is pretty remarkable that these computers can do this kind of stuff and there's only a few games that are supporting this function right now it's a third-party app called live liv uh, that i use to do this and we're going to be doing some experiments with this later on in the week if i get caught up on some other stuff we might actually do a live stream just running through some of the games that are compatible with live and what i've got on my camera over there is a vive tracker uh, which is basically kind of like another controller that will allow me to move the camera and have the VR scene render that view and then a separate one for me again in the headset. We're going to mess around with all of that a little later in the week, but it's really kind of cool. I just have to get a wider angle and maybe get the camera up a little bit higher for Beat Saber here, but it was something that I had a lot of fun playing with and will be continuing to play with it throughout the week. I also found some cables that I was able to extend from my gaming machine to the other side of the room without any latency hit. Uh, a power extender, an HDMI extension cable, and a USB extension cable, and they all work seamlessly. So this has been a uh, fun experiment, and I'm a little less tethered to my gaming machine now, too. And now it's time for some things in the news that caught my eye this week, including uh, this article in the Wall Street Journal called Tech's Dirty Secret, the app developers sifting through your Gmail. And I'm sure you've seen some of these services that try to make your life a little bit easier. There's a travel service, for example, that looks inside your email and then finds any receipts that you might have for airline tickets, train tickets, hotels, car rentals, and that kind of thing, and it uh, aggregates all of it into an app for you. And in order for those apps to work, users are granting these apps permission to sift through Gmail, uh, which is something that Google allows. And the article here questions whether or not that's a good idea for Google to allow. And I think it's something that uh, might need some discussion. I think people should be more literate about this stuff, that when they get some great free deals app and it asks for access to Gmail, maybe they should be thinking a little bit about what they're handing over to developers. And they also found some uh, developers who've said they actually look at the emails that people have granted uh, access to without the user knowing. Uh, so that is some problems there. Uh, and one thing that I wanted to do really quick is to show you how you can see what has access to your email. So if you go to myaccount.google.com 
and go over to apps with account access. I actually do this every month or so just to make sure that nothing is awry here. Uh, and when you go over to that, that portion there, there's going to be another screen that will come up, which will show you all of the apps that you have given access to your Google account. And if you go over here to manage apps, uh, you can then get a list of the apps that have access to specific services. And if you are granting an app access to your Gmail, this is what it will look like. So OS 10 here I have granted because I occasionally use the Mail app on my Mac, and it's giving it access to read, send, delete, and manage my email. Now this access is limited uh, to just the OS 10 installation on my laptop here. In fact, it doesn't work with my other uh, OS 10 laptop, but uh, it's something that you need to look for because if you've got some extension or something that is reading, sending, deleting, and managing your email, then other people have access to your email in addition to yourself without your password, and you may want to turn that off. And you can very easily just click remove access, and it is gone. And I do that, again, quite often. I sift through things that I'm not using anymore just to make sure that everything that is accessing my Google account and services is something that I have authorized. And you may have heard HTC is laying off 1,500 employees. Their business is not going very well. Uh, HTC, as you know, manufactures the HTC Vive, which is my current VR headset of choice, but they are primarily a mobile phone manufacturer, and they're having a hard time keeping up with Samsung and some of the other competitors in the market. And as a result, their business is not doing all that well. And VR is really not turning into something that they were hoping it would be. Uh, one quote from the company here says that they uh, have found VR to be a slower burn than uh, they thought people expected based on the hype. And I think this is really the biggest challenge with VR right now is that there doesn't seem to be, and I've talked about this before, a lot of consumer interest in VR headsets. You know, I can gauge it based on the traffic I get on my videos. There's a lot of interest in laptops and computer games and that kind of stuff based on the viewer counts that I see from the things that I upload. But my VR traffic is always very low. Even the very friendly consumer all-in-one devices like the new Oculus Go does not get the traffic that more mainstream consumer devices do. And it just seems like consumers just aren't there yet on this VR thing. And I think one of the problems with PC VR is that it is, first of all, really good but it requires a larger room to get the full experience. You need a very uh, up-to-date computer with the right graphics card. It's very complicated for a general consumer right now to just to go and get a really high-quality VR experience without having to do a lot of research first. And I don't think that's where the market is in 2018. People want turnkey solutions. They want stuff that just works. I think it's why we're seeing a lot more AR development on cell phones than we really are seeing a lot of consumer-driven stuff in VR. And it's a shame, too, because VR is just so much fun, and I'm really enjoying uh, the stuff that I have on the Vive. And it's been very interesting to see developers really improving their craft based on uh, what they're seeing is working and not working in the VR industry. The current crop of VR games that I've been playing have been a ton of fun and they've come a long way in the last year and a half or so. So hopefully uh, things will stay afloat here for HTC, but they have a lot of pressure on them, including their main VR competitor, which is essentially Facebook, who owns Oculus. They have much deeper pockets to continually take losses on uh, the Oculus Go and the Oculus Rift until they can find a market for it. And unfortunately, HTC does not have that kind of runway, which is a shame because the VR system really is quite good. And this is something that might be of interest to fans of retro video games like myself, but I don't think is quite there just yet. Uh, this is called Modern Mallard, 
And what it is is a mod for your NES Zapper light gun so that you can play Zapper light gun games on a modern television. Uh, in fact, they say you can hook up your old Nintendo to your 4K OLED set, uh, pop this board inside of your uh, Zapper gun. You have to replace the old board with this new one, and it will start working provided uh, you patch the original Duck Hunt cartridge with this other piece of hardware that is part of this Kickstarter. And I think this is where it kind of falls off the rails for me. It's being designed specifically for Duck Hunt, and they are requiring you to buy the board and this patch board. Uh, so what you do is take apart the Duck Hunt cartridge, you put this thing inside the cartridge, which is kind of a pass-through patcher, kind of works like maybe a, um, you know, a Game Genie might have worked back in the day, and now you can play Duck Hunt on your modern television. And I think what they should do is, for a lower price, just sell the board, and then get the community working on developing ROM patches that will work with flash cartridges or uh, some of the clone consoles out there like my Analog NT Mini or something. I think they would sell a lot of these for less money and get the community excited about bringing some modern functionality to some games that we really can't enjoy on HD televisions right now. I'm really quite fond of what Analog has done with their FPGA-based game consoles. The games look great in HD, but I can't play the light gun games. One of my favorites from the uh, NES era was Freedom Force, and I have to go hook up my old CRT television to play that whenever I want to. So I really hope they uh, take the current results that they've got in on their Kickstarter, which are not great, and maybe uh, bring this back out again in a different way and get the community involved because this could be a great community hardware and software project. And one last thing to talk about, and that is Comcast and their hidden rate card that they have in just about every region. I'm in the process of preparing to renegotiate my cable and internet service here with the cable company. I wanted to be armed with all the best information I can get. So if you go to this short URL I've got on screen here, what it's going to do is look up your location based on guessing on your IP address. And what they'll do is give you a PDF rate card of all of the offerings in your service area. Uh, so this is what mine looks like. This is just page one of five. There's a lot of stuff that uh, you should be looking at on here to make sure you're getting the proper deal uh, on your cable service because what usually happens is, is they uh, just let you stay on whatever plan you're on and if there's a better deal they never call you to tell you that so if you look on the card here you can figure out uh, where you stand and you can make a better decision about the kind of services that you are getting and a couple things on here they said I have which I don't yet which is their gig pro internet which is this two gigabit a symmetrical fiber plan. It's not available in my area, but they list it here. It's $238 a month. But I am soon, hopefully, uh, getting the, what, the quote-unquote gig internet, which is why I started looking at this rate card. Uh, gig, on, uh, by Comcast definition, is gigabit downstream, but not upstream. So we get a little boost in speed, the 35 megabits per second, but uh, they do say you'll get a full gig downstream. And that's probably because they're still relying on coax delivery uh, in most customer homes. Even though they've got fiber passing by, it gets converted to coax for the last uh, mile there. So we'll see what happens, but I just wanted to show you this because if you are looking to renegotiate with the big cable company, uh, this card will arm you with information. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And our first question comes in from Fubar Mike. Uh, this is in regards to my Chrome OS running Linux video we did the other day. And he's saying, so essentially we are running Linux apps on Chrome OS, which is also based on Linux. I don't see why they have to go through all this virtual container stuff because that will reduce performance. And uh, he's partially right about this because we saw uh, in the video the performance wasn't all that great just yet, but there are some optimizations still to be had. 
uh, containers are generally more efficient than uh, true virtual machines because you're not spinning up another instance of the operating system. You're using the resources that uh, the host OS has, but keeping everything isolated. And Google's doing this, of course, for security. Uh, in fact, most of Google is run in containers, so they don't have to worry about hardware compatibility. They just spin up a container uh, after getting a host computer up and running, which is the philosophy they're bringing uh, to Chrome OS. But I was curious as to what people might be thinking about this who use Linux exclusively on their devices. And we had a nice conversation on my uh, Facebook group from uh, Britt Dodd here about why he's excited about it. And he actually likes OS 10 on the Mac right now because it is a Unix-based operating system in uh, what used to be a nice piece of hardware and uh, was a very stable experience. And Chromebooks are also very, very stable. And now you're rolling in uh, an added Linux feature that will significantly extend their value. And he was excited also because these Chromebooks are very inexpensive and easy to replace. And conceivably, if you've got a container running on that Chromebook, it's very portable. These aren't just yet, but the containers are designed to work that way. Uh, so you could easily pick that container up and move it to another machine if something were to happen to your Chromebook out in the field. So there's a lot of potential here uh, to really drive down the cost of nice Unix-based development machines because right now, a lot of folks are paying a lot for them. And of course, there are some high-end Chromebooks that will benefit from this too, like uh, the Google Pixel Book, which I think might actually be a strong competitor now for developers who are usually using a MacBook. They can now maybe look at the Google Pixel Book uh, as an option for their development platform, given that it's got such a stable uh, back-end and really nice hardware configuration. And from the Facebook group, Jonathan writes in about the new update to the Mi Box, which is bringing it up to Android 8 Oreo. Uh, about a month ago, we looked at that on the NVIDIA Shield TV and my initial thoughts of it. I was intrigued by the new Android 8 interface because it's a content-centric interface. They're trying to get you to find all the content you want from different providers on the home screen and then clicking through uh, to the individual videos that you want to watch, which is good in theory, and it's something we're seeing Apple and a few other companies do as well, but I really do prefer uh, each platform's interface to their content because every platform is unique. YouTube is very different than Netflix, for example, and I think YouTube presents its content in a way that best suits its platform as opposed to just a generic one for everything. And I've been really going back to just loading up apps individually on my NVIDIA Shield TV, even though I have the new interface. And another thing I noticed was when my uh, NVIDIA Shield upstairs updated, that's the one my wife uses more often, uh, she was very frustrated with it because all of her apps got pushed off the home screen and I had to go in and put them back on. It's not a very uh, intuitive thing to do all that. And I think people are going to be spending a lot of time just trying to get their home screen set up uh, versus something that just worked before. Uh, and I think uh, this is going to maybe come back to bite Google as these updates roll out. Uh, because there are now a lot of Android smart TVs out there, the Sony TVs in particular. And if all of those change overnight, uh, Sony's going to get a lot of calls. And as a result, Google is going to get a lot of heat. So we'll have to see what they end up doing with this interface. But as it stands now, uh, I am not crazy about it. And I've actually suggested to people that if you see that update come down and you don't like how this home screen looks, you may want to hold off for a little bit on updating because it does significantly change the experience. Another thing we noticed on the NVIDIA Shield is that uh, they have gotten rid of the video capture and screen capture feature. They say it's coming back, uh, but right now it is not working. So I'm hoping there's more 
under the hood enhancements to Android 8 Oreo on the TV that make this a worthwhile update. But uh, right now, I'm going to be anticipating a lot of pushback on it. And again, a month into it, I am just not using any of those new features and have gone back to browsing my apps the old-fashioned way on my NVIDIA Shields. Now, this next set of questions is something we have talked about before here on the channel, but I want to bring it up again and uh, ask for some advice from all of you. Uh, So basically what happens here is every time I review a gaming laptop, for example, or any one of these mid-tier devices, I'll have people uh, writing in saying, hey, can you look at this comparable laptop from another company? In this case, uh, one viewer wants me to take a look at this Asus laptop, and another one uh, wanted me to look at an HP Pavilion. Uh, And these might be probably around $800 or so. I didn't check directly, but generally uh, the kinds of requests I get are for people who are looking in the $800 to $1,500 territory. And We look at a lot of Lenovo's here on the channel because Lenovo has a very good review department uh, that is very focused on getting loaner devices out to small to mid-sized channels in addition to the big ones. I think they are probably the only major brand in the industry that puts a focus on the smaller channels and recognizes their value. And that's why we look at so much Lenovo here. They have just a, first of all, a lot of products, but also uh, because they are very easy to work with. They send us a loaner, we review it, we send it back. Uh, There's never any issues if I don't like the product and give it a bad review. They are uh, perfectly happy with the feedback. And in fact, we've seen products improve based on negative feedback that I and other reviewers have given to their laptops over the years. But again, nobody else is doing this. And from an economic standpoint, the channel's economics, uh, I can't really afford to buy up every eight or $1,500 laptop from every major manufacturer because I would lose too much money in the process. Uh, that's why I have been really focused on the low end of the market for two reasons. One is that it's more affordable uh, to buy three $300 laptops than one $900 laptop, uh, but also because there's not a lot of people on YouTube covering the low end of the market either. So there's some Uh, benefits to that as well. Now, typically with those $300 laptops, I buy them, review them, and then I resell them. And I take a loss there, but I make it back on affiliate revenue and the YouTube ad revenue. Uh, That model doesn't work with more expensive laptops. I might be able to do a couple a year like that, but I really couldn't make this work if I had to get everything or at least most of the major products from the major manufacturers every time they came out. And a great example of this is the Nova Go laptop that I reviewed about a week or two ago, which is that ARM-based Windows laptop. I paid about six or $700 for it, and it's going to sit on my store for a while until somebody comes around and wants to buy it. I didn't give it a very favorable review, so anyone watching my review is not going to be all that hot to get one. So uh, I'm going to be sitting, basically, on a six or $700 laptop for a few months until I'm able to part with it. I try to sell these things through my store directly because it is a far less expensive sale than it is with eBay or Amazon, who sometimes take as much as 15 or 20% of the sale price for their services and fees. So there's a real uh, reason why I like to just stick with my store for that. So this is why you don't see a lot of other brands because they are just not sending laptops out for review to smaller channels like mine. I have a very hard time developing the kinds of relationships that I need to have with these companies that people change too much. And when I do get somebody, they never have the products that you all are interested in. So it's been a very uh, tough road with the other brands. And that is why I want to bring up my Q&A for you this week, because I'm wondering if there are retailers out there that you frequent uh, who sell laptops that I might be able to reach out to and maybe have the retailer uh, lend me the laptop and we can do the reviews that way. That might be the better way to go about it. 
Uh, so I'd love to hear if you know of any retailers that are selling laptops at you know, decent prices that are reputable companies. Maybe we'll uh, try to develop a relationship there, borrow their laptop for a week or two, review it, send it back to them, and uh, go on from there. Notebook Check does that uh, with some retailers overseas, so I wanted to see if there was a retailer you all use that's not Newegg or Amazon uh, here in the U.S. that I could reach out to. So let me know down in the comments below, and we'll see what we can get in here to uh, get more laptop coverage from more brands because I definitely want to cover more laptops, but I can't get these review loaners in from other brands, and it's killing me uh, because it's, uh, it's you know, I really want to cover the market fairly, and I'm not able to do so right now. And our channel of the week this week is a new podcast that just came out called The Automators. It is hosted by David Sparks, who is the guy behind the Mac Power Users, and this is going to be an Apple-specific recommendation. Uh, but what they are doing is covering some of the robust ways that you can script things on the iPhone, iPad, as well as on the Mac. Uh, iOS has a great app called Workflow that was acquired by Apple that does some really advanced scripting. So, for example, you could have you know, a single calendar entry trigger a whole bunch of new things that get inputted into your project management app, for example. There's a lot of different things that you can program in to do it. It's gotten more and more advanced over time, and now workflow is getting integrated into Siri itself. So essentially, it's going to become part of the operating system. So they have uh, launched this podcast in anticipation of it, and you can get a lot of neat ideas as to how to make stuff work on your particular devices and all of the code that they use to do the things that they talk about, they make available so you can download and adjust it for your own uses. Great stuff. It is the automators that you can find at the link down there. So this week on the channel, we've got a bunch of stuff to take a look at. I'm going to get to that home theater video finally. That will probably be up uh, towards the middle of the week. We're going to look at these Atmos speakers and my impression of it, along with a full tour of how everything is set up at the current moment. That, of course, is always subject to change up there, but we'll get to that this week. I also have this video ready to go. This will be the next one on the docket unless some crazy thing happens. Uh, this is the new uh, HP Chromebox, which made an appearance in that Linux on Chrome OS video, and we'll get a full review of the unit itself uh, coming up very shortly. So stay tuned for that here on the channel. And we've got a couple other things probably happening too. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv slash support to make a monthly or one-time contribution. I still support Patreon as well if you prefer to do that. We also have our ongoing relationship with Plex, where if you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required, we get a small commission. We get a larger commission if you sign up for a Plex pass or gift it to somebody else. Uh, we also have a number of ways to follow some of the stuff that I do. We've got the Extras channel at lon.tv extras. My podcast feed has audio versions of this show along with my new podcast that is getting going. We'll have another episode this month. It's going to be a little delayed, uh, but it's going to be with the uh, CEO of HD Home Run to catch up on where everything is on their product line. And that will be up a little later, maybe this week or possibly next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we have the Snippets channel at lon.tv snippets, which are search-friendly versions of what you are watching right now. And we have live streams uh, archived at lon.tv slash live streams. And again, we might play with one a little later this week across the room on my uh, mixed reality setup over there. So stay tuned for that. And if you want to get notified when I do go live or do anything else, you can click on the bell and get notified every time I upload something to the channel or my other channels. You can do that everywhere and get a nice notification pushed down to you. We also have my email list, which is very infrequent at lon.tv slash email. We have a Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook. We have over 320 people now in the Facebook group at lon.tv slash Facebook group, a great community there. 
and we have the store, which I just talked about, where I sell stuff that I have uh, bought to review here on the channel and I'm now parting with. And uh, there you'll find the Asus Nova Go and a few other things as well. Uh, you can get notified every time I make a change to that store by subscribing to a different email list, lon.tv slash store alert which will send out an email every time I add something to that. And sometimes things sell really quick from that email list. So you might want to get on that if you're looking to buy something I'm going to be getting rid of soon. So that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Thank you all, as always, for your continued feedback and support of what I am doing here. It's been a really fun journey over the last four years or so, and things continue to be looking very good here. So I'm really having a great time with this. And Uh, This would not exist without the audience, you. So thank you all again, and just keep those comments and suggestions coming. We'll have plenty more coming up this week. Until next time, this is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, Tom Albrecht, Bill Reiner, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.